0: Okay, we're dealing with the subject of Joseph and he's now in Potiphar's house. Let's just review quickly our thoughts about Joseph. The coat of many colors has got to go. His importance should not be wrapped up in his gift but rather in his relationship with God. And he's got to learn to appreciate that God doesn't give you a gift to lord it over other people. He gives you a gift to serve other people. And therefore the great task is to to learn to be a servant. As I ended off our last session, We, we made this remark. And I'll say it again. That come to grips with the fact life as it used to be is over. You're not going back to it. Or oh, how we would like to just go back to the what we know, what we're comfortable with. Has some crisis come into your life and changed things? Probably. Accept it. Life, as it used to be, is over. Joseph can't go back. There's no possibly way of going back. But there's a nice uh, verse in 1 Corinthians 10-13 that says that God will make a way of escape. He will enable you to bear it. There is no trial, no temptation taken you but such as common to man but God with it will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Change is difficult. Change is hard. You're not going back to the way it used to be. You're in a new environment with a new set of rules. Everything is new to you. Like us trying to learn all this stuff. It's all all new to you, but you're not going back. We have to accept the reality of it and carry on. And God will give us the grace to go through. One thing that, that's positive about Joseph is that, you know, he was separated from his brothers, which probably is a good thing at this point because they want him dead. So he's separated from his enemies. He does, thankfully, Have the presence of the Lord. God hasn't forsaken him, though he must feel like, as far as his circumstances go, that God has forsaken him. But he still carries with him this word from the Lord, and he carries with him the presence of the Lord, and he begins to prosper in other gifts that he doesn't even know that he has. Let me repeat. His sense of self-importance was his ability to dream dreams. That's removed from him for the next ten years. You don't read of him dreaming any dreams. But other gifts, other skills need to be developed. Administration, organization, handling of wealth. And he's in the school of Potiphar, but he doesn't know it's a school. Because Potiphar is a miniature model of what? Pharaoh's court will be like. And so he learns about Pharaoh's court in the house of Potiphar, but he has no idea he's learning it. So wherever you are, do whatever you do as unto the Lord. Potiphar notices that he's blessed because of Joseph, and so he just begins to increase more and more and more in success. You and I, therefore, must understand that we are to be faithful in that which is least. Doesn't sound very spiritual, but you know what? He's being shaped by the routine of life. Doesn't that sound exciting? The routine of life. You know, I think we all know Jeremiah as Jeremiah 18, where he talks about the potter's wheel you know, the Lord said to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's wheel and shaping the piece of clay. You know, that clay is on the potter's wheel and all that clay knows is it's going round and round every day in the same routine. Round and round and round and round and round and round. and round. But every time he goes round, when the master puts his finger just at one area, it shapes the whole thing. But if you don't go through the routine of going round and round and round, there's no shaping that takes place. And... This is just the reality. And uh, people just think, have this sense of spirituality as as giftedness. And boy, I get to prophesy here and I get to speak in tongues. I'm not downplaying the gifts. What I'm saying is don't build your sense of self-importance out of that. Learning to love is what God is all about. And that's so important. So ten years go by. How would you and I do after ten years in this position? You've got no fellowship. You've got no prayer partner. You have no brothers or sisters. You have no family. You have nobody around you who even holds the same faith system that you have. You are surrounded completely by heathens. And you are completely alone. And yet, what's holding you through all of this time is this faith that you've got, which is the substance of things hoped for. No matter what's going on, you just can't deny that God's God is hook in you. That word of the Lord is in you. Ten years go by, and I'm sure after ten years, Joseph probably began, probably began to ask himself a question. And the question probably would go like this. Is this what God was telling me about? Because, you know, in Potiphar's house, I've prospered. In Potiphar's house, well, you know, I'm in authority. And I do have people bowing down to me. Now, I'm just a slave, but I'm the top slave. And is this the fulfillment of what God spoke to me back ten years ago? Because there are many similarities between that dream and what's happening but I am sure that Joseph also thought within himself, it might be similar, but there's got to be something more to this. this it, it matches in some ways, but it's not a perfect match. There's got to be something more. Have you ever had that desire in your life when you're looking at your present life and you're saying, but there's got to be something more to that. I'm not satisfied. I'm happy with the progress, but there's still got to be something more. Would you please be careful when you get to that point? You know why? Because all it means is the trial is going to deepen on you. The bow gets stretched back a little more. Every time you have a sense there's got to be more, you've got to dig a deeper foundation in your life. It has to be that way. And so God will allow a time of testing because he wants to see what's in your heart. He allows a time of testing to see what is in your heart. If you refer to Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and, and verse 31, that uh, the same situation Joseph is in was kind of like Hezekiah, but the Bible says that God tested Hezekiah to see what was in his heart. Can he be trusted with greater responsibility? And now there's a new trial happens. But please note with me, it's a new kind of trial. In this particular case, it's sexual temptation. Sexual temptation. I also want you to note that this trial came not when Joseph was low, but when Joseph was riding high. He's the top slave. He's prosperous. He's managed wealth. He's done well. Potiphar loves the guy. Potiphar blessed him because he's blessed by Joseph's administrative skills. Potiphar doesn't even know what he's worth anymore. Just ask the bookkeeper. He's got it all figured out. I don't. As long as the bookkeeper's happy, I'm happy. I mean, Potiphar just took that. That attitude, he was blessed. And everything that Potiphar owned was under the administrative ability of Joseph. The only one thing Joseph didn't have was Potiphar's wife. That's one situation that Potiphar's wife wanted to change. You see, Joseph had a problem. He was good looking. He was must have been some handsome hulk of a guy. He's in his late 20s. But please note: this happens when Joseph is at the height of his career, if I could use that phrase, if you beat a slave as a career, but he's at the height of his game. He's blessed, he's popular, he's prosperous. When that happens, new trials will come into your life that don't come other times in your life. This one of sexual temptation, I am sure that everyone on planet Earth goes through this. I am sure that there's not a single person that is exempt from such temptation and such a trial. Now, let me ask you a question. If you had waited for ten years, and you're faithful for ten years... And you seem to be blessed for ten years, and you're at the top of your game for where you're at after ten years, but life doesn't seem to be going any further than this. There's no promise of anything beyond this. When sexual temptation comes, then why not give in to it? Who's going to find out about it? Joseph, are you going to tell? I don't think so. Do you think Potiphar's wife is going to tell? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I think uh, if you want to keep your career, you better keep Potiphar's wife happy, because I am sure she can mess up your life if she wants to. So why don't you bow to her pressure because your future really is in her hands? Why not enjoy yourself? Why not? I mean, are you going to bring dishonor upon your family? What family? You're alone. He's got nothing to lose, does he? Why not? Well, chapter 39 and verse 9, Joseph's response was, I cannot do this in God's sight. When he said in God's sight, what that meant is that he knew he is living in the sight of God. He knew that God was involved in his day-to-day routine of life. He knew that he was living in the presence and in the sight of God. And he knew, even though the Ten Commandments were going to be written for hundreds of years later, he still knew that this is an offense against God. And everybody has got to pass this test. And I think there needs to be something said, and somebody needs to have the, the courage to stand up and say it. Sexual sin can be forgiven, but it's not easily forgotten. All I have to do is mention a couple of popular names of TV preachers, and I'll bet you the first thing you think about is not the good they've done, not the mission work done. You will remember their affairs before anything else and when I go overseas and when I teach I teach quite a bit on the subject of trust. All ministry is a trust. People trust you. You might be a great prophet. You might be the prince of preachers. You might be highly anointed with gifts. But if nobody trusts you, you don't have Ministry. You cannot minister unless people trust you. And if we get guilty of sexual sin, we might as well hang a sign around our neck, and the sign will say this I cannot be trusted. When I am granted authority, I will use that power as a position of privilege and take unto myself whatever I want. You might as well hang a sign around your neck and advertise yourself that way because that's what everybody's going to think about you. You can't be trusted. You have to pass this test. And here's the hard part about it. You have to pass this test with nobody knowing You've passed the test. Don't you want everybody to know how spiritual you are? Don't you want everybody to know how you passed the test? Joseph goes through test after test after test, and nobody knows that he's passing the test except God. That's such an important thing. He knew he was in God's sight in spite of the passing of many years in Potiphar's house, in spite of the fact his dreams are not yet fulfilled, he is still believing. So much so, that he will not give in to sexual sin. Please be aware that if you and I fail this test, listen carefully, if we fail this test, let's not think we can be forgiven and just go back to life as it used to be. If we fail this test, you have complicated the rest of your life. Or oh, just forgive and carry on? I'm sorry. There are too many preachers out there on television that think they can get divorced and remarried and carry on the ministry. I'm sorry it doesn't work that way. You have complicated the rest of your life. God's will has become complicated. I'm not saying you're not forgiven. I'm just saying you've complicated the rest of your life. It really has happened. And the fact is, because you have put this stigma to yourself, God probably... I have to be careful how I say this, but probably cannot use you in the most strategic position that you should be. You forfeited it because you've complicated your life. Would Joseph sacrifice his integrity? You better not. I think what keeps people from falling into sexual sin—everybody goes through the temptation—there're probably two realities. Reality number one. I love God, and I can't do this. And God loves me, and I can't do this. The temptation is real, but your love for God has got to be greater than the temptation. I can't do this. I can't complicate my life. And so what happens now is Potiphar's wife brings this temptation. Your Bible says day after day after day. I mean, this is not just a one-time thing. I mean, it's just like a dripping faucet here. Day after day after day after day after day. Until one day she gets him alone in her room and grabs a hold of his coat. Oh, Joseph and his coats. Here's another coat that's got to go. Grabs his coat. He runs away. But he's left his coat behind. She took it. And then when Potiphar comes home from whatever business trip he was on, She fabricates the story. Now listen carefully to this. False accusation has been made against you. People have misread your character. People have passed judgment on you and have shared that judgment abroad. And your reputation has been tarnished. You have been unjustly accused of certain behavior, certain attitudes. People seem to have discovered what your motives are and advertised what they think your motives are and have tarnished you with untrue things. Now listen carefully. And you have, like Joseph, no opportunity to defend yourself. Don't you want to defend yourself? Don't you want to say, but that's not true? Don't you want to come to your own defense? When this happens to you, oh, would you please listen to the words of Jesus? Blessed are ye, when men shall revile you and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice! And be exceeding glad. Great is your reward for this they did to the prophets which were before you. You're not rejoicing very much. (laughs) Listen, when this happens to you, you don't recognize it at the time. But the truth is, when this happens, when some crisis has happened... Things have fallen out, and people misread your character, misread your motives, and judge you and advertise these false statements about you all over the place. If you have ears to hear, God has just done you a favor. You're not shouting hallelujah. God has done you a favor. Doesn't sound very favorable, does it? (laughs) God has just done you a favor. I think we'll explain as we go what that favor is. God has done you a favor. You know what that is? You get to learn the lesson that vengeance is not yours. You have you get to learn the lesson of God being your defense. You get to learn the lesson of being set free from the secret sin that's in everybody's heart and that's called self-vindication. If you have to vindicate yourself, you are still infatuated with yourself. God is doing you a favor. Oh, but we want to get mad. We want to get angry. We want to, you know, pound the desk. We want to slam the door. We want to do something. We want to advertise. It's not this way. And we. The more you try to defend yourself, the more the fight gets going and going and going. And hey, God's doing you a favor. God's bringing to the surface of your heart this need for self-vindication, you're going to have to learn the lesson of, oh, here it is again, wait on the Lord and let Him manipulate events so He's the one that brings your vindication. Because when God clears your name, He's going to do it on a level Far exceeding, abundantly above anything you could do for yourself. What well, I'm getting ahead of our lesson. God, let God be your vindication. Have you ever been punished for well doing? And then you have to keep quiet about it? Have you been falsely accused? don't get to defend yourself and you have to keep quiet about it. Yeah, well welcome to the club. Guess what? That's exactly what they did to Jesus. Falsely accused him but he opened not his mouth. Isn't that what the Bible says? Kept himself quiet, opened not his mouth punished for doing well with false accusations and even Jesus did not respond. Just flip for a minute to Psalm 37 for a principle here. Psalm 37, starting at verse 1, as an example of how you and I should respond in such situations. Psalm 37, verses 1 to 9, read this. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither... Be envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as their green herb. Instead, what you should do is trust in the Lord and do good. So you shall dwell in the land and verily you shall be fed. What should you be doing? Delight yourself in the Lord. When you've got all these evildoers coming against you, what should you be doing? Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, what should you be doing when people do this stuff against you? Commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And listen, and he shall bring forth your righteousness, He'll clear your name. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noon day. Therefore, in verse seven, what you should be doing is, rest in the Lord. And wait. Ooh. And what? And how should you wait? Patiently. You want to take matters into your own hands and clear your name, don't you? Well, all these false accusations are being spread, well, you know what so-and-so did, and you know what she did, and you know what he did, and, and it goes on, the gossip goes on, and you want to clear yourself, what should you be doing? Wait patiently for him. Don't fret yourself. Please, verse 6 He will bring forth your righteousness. God's doing you a favor when this happens. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret yourself because of him that prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. Don't respond in anger to this. Forsake wrath. Don't fret yourself in any way to get involved in any of this. Don't do any evil. Because the evil doers, they'll be cut off. But those that wait. Come on, those that hang out here those that wait upon the Lord, they're the ones who will inherit the earth. Then you can just keep reading. That's the response you're supposed to have. Joseph had no opportunity to defend himself for false accusations. None. So when Potiphar comes home and Potiphar's wife uh, decides that... Uh, she's going to lie about Joseph and tell all of these things your Bible says that Potiphar got very angry Uh, please note in your Bible it does not say he got angry against Joseph it just says that he got angry I think, I don't know, I can't prove it but I think Potiphar probably knew that Joseph was innocent but what's he going to do? Joseph is thrown into, not just a prison, the word is dungeon. This is no pretty place to be. So what has happened? The arrow has been drawn backwards. Even more so. You have to appreciate this is a dungeon. It's a terrible confinement the commentary we read in Psalm 105 at the beginning of our first session is that this was a horrible confinement. Fetters, hands and feet shackled in, in fetters. It was a horrible place. Now, if you had just been rewarded with 10 years of faithfulness with this kind of treatment unfairly, how would you respond? Are you still keeping your faith? Are you still keeping your integrity? Are you still being governed by an unfulfilled promise from God that's looking like it's more and more impossible ever to come to pass? Can you hope against hope? Can you believe God against all odds? God's doing you a favor. You know, Hebrews 12 Says no chastisement for the present seems to be joyous, <laughs> but afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. If that was you and me, I think we'd be saying, Boy, did I really hear from God? Did I really hear from God? But while he's there in prison, the Bible says the Lord is still with him, he's still in spite of the backward circumstances of his life, senses the Lord's presence with him. What a wonderful thing that is. And his gifts that he had developed for the last ten years just seem to come rising to the surface again. And then God just happens, or does anything just happen with God, just happens to bring across his path Two important people that he's got to learn lessons from. You see, he still has no idea that he's going to serve in Pharaoh's courts. So he knows Potiphar's house, but his knowledge of Pharaoh's courts has got to be better than Potiphar's house. And so you know who God brings into his life? The butler and the baker. The personal assistants to Pharaoh. Pharaoh where he is going to learn from fellowship with them, some particulars about Pharaoh's courts. He doesn't even know he needs this stuff. God knows how to bring the right people into your life at the right time in what you think is the wrong place. (laughs) And I also want you to note that it is at this time when he's gone from the height of his career to the depths, the low level of his career that he gets his gift back of dreams and God now lets him go in the dreams again but please tell me where he is when God gives you your gift back where do you want to be? the football stadium? TV? radio? where do you want to be when God gives your gift back? You want to be famous, don't you? But God gives you the gift in the place where nobody else wants to go. He lets you gives you your gift back in the place where you're not going to be noticed. You're going to be invisible from the world. What is this with God? Hiding me? Hiding you? Making you insignificant, invisible to the rest of the world. Hope you understand the way up is down with God. It works that way. And now his gift comes back in the most smallest of circumstances. This guy should have a worldwide ministry. And instead, what's he dealing with? Half a dozen people? The most insignificant place possible where he's totally unnoticed by the rest of the world. That's the act of God. That's when you get your gift back. Because we're going to see if you can serve with six people, or do you need 6,000 before you open your mouth? We're going to see if you're a servant, because here's the difference now. When he gets his gift back, the emphasis is no longer on his giftedness, that's what he was when he was 17. I'm important because I have this gift. Now that he's approaching near 28, 27, 28 years old now, he's gone through the disciplines of life. He's been molded by the routines of life. He's been molded by severe, difficult trial. He's died somewhat to himself, as we'll see, not very perfectly, but he's died somewhat to himself and now that he gets his gift back and he has his charismatic ability back his emphasis is not on his gift anymore his emphasis is on the butler and the baker did you catch that? the gift is no longer important to him what's important is the butler and the baker and the gift is just a tool through which to love and serve others. Before, the gift was my sense of identity. Now he's learned to love. Remember, he was sold as a servant. God has spent ten years teaching him what it is to be a servant. And now that some of that's worked into his heart, now all he does is use his gift to serve others. It's the others who are important, not his gift. Can you and I get to that point? Sometimes our self worth is in what we do, you know, if we're an instrument, sometimes our sense of self worth is is just built into our ability to prophesy or speak in tongues or or whatever. No. Our identity be better be that of a servant. We just serve others in the most obscure places with the gift that God has given us. If you can't pass that test, well, you might stay in prison a little longer. And it just so happens that one day the butler and the baker wake up or does anything just so happen? Wake up one day and they're both quite sad and Joseph, who seems to now be observant of other people's behavior, see, he's 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 learned to care for people, and he's noticing little things like they're a little downcast, and that catches his attention. So when, when he was 17, the only thing in his mind was how important he was. Now he's noticing why why are you cast down? And they say, Well we dreamed a dream and we're so terrible about these dreams, terrified. We don't know what they mean and what's going on and what's happening and and well, I know something about dreams. Try me. And he interprets the dreams and the first one to give the dream was the butler. That's a good good thing because the baker would never ask for an interpretation if and the butler hadn't gone first. And, 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 and the end result was that in three days' time, you're going to be restored back to your position as the cupbearer to Pharaoh. You're going back to Pharaoh's courts and notice his gift. It's exact. Three days. I mean, he's putting his whole credibility on the line. Three days. And then he said something to this. Now, when you see Pharaoh... Um, Would you please tell him that I have done nothing wrong and I should not be in this place. He looked at the butler as his ability to get vindicated. Joseph, did you ever blow it when you said that? In other words, Joseph, there is a trace of self-vindication in your heart. And that proves to me, thus saith the Lord, you cannot yet be trusted with authority. The way I want to give you authority. I cannot increase your authority over other servants or over other prisoners if you have that sense that what happened to you was not fair. I can't fulfill my promise to you in the fullest way while you've got that in your heart because you know what you'll do with that authority if you've got vindictiveness in you? You know what you're going to do? You're going to abuse that authority and punish those you're supposed to be saving. Well, when the baker... Heard that the interpretation was good to the butler. Can I tell you my dream? Well, it didn't come out so good. In three days, you're going to be executed. Three days time was Pharaoh's birthday. And sure enough, it happened just as Joseph interpreted. The the baker was hanged. The butler, the cupbearer, was indeed restored back to Pharaoh. But the Bible says the butler forgot Joseph. Nobody wants to bring up the Pharaoh. Pharaoh, remember that time you got really angry with me and threw me in prison? Nobody wants to start a conversation like that with Pharaoh. And the Bible says the butler forgot him. You know why God allowed that to happen? Because Joseph was not yet dead to himself. All these years have gone by, but Joseph was not yet dead to himself. There was still vindictiveness after all of these years, after all this success, after all this maturity, after all this growth. There is still self-vindictiveness, which means he cannot yet be trusted to save those who have hurt him in this life. The result being two more full long years in prison just getting to the place where he's going to die to himself. Have you not read Romans 12 verse 19? Avenge not yourselves. Vengeance is mine says the Lord. I will repay. Vengeance is mine. You and I are not to put any confidence in man in the arm of flesh whatsoever. Listen carefully. The butler might forget. But can I tell you somebody who doesn't forget? Isaiah chapter 44 verse 21 Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, that you are my servant. I have formed you, you are my servant. O Israel, you shall not be forgotten by me. Listen to Isaiah chapter 49, verses 13 to 16. It says, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget Yet will I not forget you. Behold, I have, you, I have engraven you upon the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. You're always in my memory. Oh, should I put it in these words? God, God, God got a tattoo. And what he did is he tattooed you, a picture of you, in the palms of his hands. You're always in his memory. No matter how we feel. No matter what we're going through. We're tempted to say the Lord has forgotten us. God says, no, no. I just see the beginning from the end. The end from the beginning. I know what I'm doing. I know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going. And I am working things out in your life. To bring you into the most fruitful expression possible. Beyond your dreams, I'm going to bring fulfillment into your life. I haven't forgotten you. I've just taken you there. But since you don't know the end from the beginning, it appears to you that you're forgotten. It appears to you that your reputation is maligned. It appears to you. But leave it with me and wait upon me, says the Lord. I have not forgotten you. Humble yourself before me and I will exalt you. The Bible says in due time and God's timing. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Can I read that to you out of the Hebrew? They that wait and wait and wait and wait for God exchange Their strength. It's not you throwing the arrow. It's God loading the arrow. It's an exchange of strength. But it takes waiting on the Lord for that to happen. Now it just so happens. Or does anything just so happen? It just so happens that Pharaoh has to have a couple of dreams as well. Do you remember the dreams he's troubled in the night and the one dream is about skinny, ugly cows and seven fat cows and the seven fat cows get eaten up by the ugly skinny cows and after the skinny ugly cows finish eating the beautiful fat cows are still ugly and skinny. You know do you remember the other dream about the corn? I mean seven awful corn and terrible withered things and They eat up the seven good years of corn, and when they're finished eating it up, well, they're still skinny corn. When does God's time come into your life? Until the time His Word came. When does God's time come into your life? You know what? When all human wisdom fails. When all human wisdom fails. That's when God's time comes to your life. Because it just so happened that Pharaoh who has all these dreams invites all the magicians, all the sorcerers, all the astrologers, all the wise men to interpret this for him. And isn't it amazing how when God wants to do it, he can hide these things from the wise and the prudent and reveal them unto babes. Isn't that what Jesus said in Luke 10 and verse 21? And God has chosen to hide these things from the wisdom of the wise. I can just see the court of Pharaoh that day where somebody's made the long trip. The Pharaoh's courts and they were just waiting to go in there and and tell Pharaoh the interpretation thereof and oh they're probably thinking of the great rewards they're going to get when they tell interpret the Pharaoh and, and they come out of the Pharaoh's court all dejected they failed. Well somebody else is going to give it a try and they fail and oh there's a whole line of astrologers and wise men and magicians from all over the world have come and they've all failed and the butlers they're watching all of this and it's been two years you know since The butler got out of prison. Then he's watching all of this and and Pharaoh's not happy and none of these wise men are happy. And the butler says, well, excuse me, but can I offer a suggestion? Um, I had a dream and the baker had a dream and we were in your position. It's amazing how God just puts people together, right? You think you're going backwards. You're just meeting key people that are going to promote you and this Hebrew slave Well, he interpreted our dreams and they came to pass exactly to the letter what, what he interpreted and, and boy Pharaoh is so fed up with the wisdom of this world that he'll try anything God knows how to manipulate world events when it's time have you ever tried to open a door before it's time it just doesn't Open. And have you ever noticed, when God decides to open a door, if He needs to stop the sun, He'll do it for you. He can manipulate the whole universe to make a door open for you. When it's time. Oh, the timing of the Lord. We have to have honor from God, not man. Honor from God. So when is God's timing? Human wisdom has failed. When is God's timing? Human resources have failed. How many of us have been like Abraham and tried to help God out? Come up with plans and designs and all this. We're going to help God out, but it's premature timing-wise. In the kingdom of heaven, timing is everything. When is God's time? He works successfully at the exact point we fail. That's when it's God's time. You see, except the Lord build the house, Psalm 127, verse 1, we're laboring in vain. Let's understand ministry is not working for God. It's working with God, following His lead. God does not rubber stamp our ideas. He expects us to follow Him It is working. Unless the Lord build the house we do labor in vain that build it. And I want you to note in this story about Joseph that God put it all together. You will please note with me that Joseph had absolutely nothing to do with putting this together. Isn't that correct? Absolutely nothing to do of putting this whole thing together. It was totally... Outside of his hands and outside of his ability. Joseph doesn't even get to plead his own case. Somebody else had to do that for him without his knowledge. And now he's got to the point of no self-vindication. It took two years in prison after the butler episode to get there. But he's at the point of no self-vindication And now you have the moment we've been waiting for. The arrow has been stretched back and back and back. We are now 13 years of severe pressure the wrong direction. And that last two years was a real jerk back. But the Lord was with him. And now he has died. When is God's timing? When you're dead. If you hurry up and die, you might speed up God's schedule. When you're dead, when there's no vindication left in you, when there's no need to defend yourself against false accusations, when you're dead, then God can raise you up. He can trust you with this authority because you're not going to use it to serve your vindictiveness. You're going to use your authority to serve the people who hated you. You've learned to love them in the process. This is what's happening. With Joseph. Now, the moment of suddenly happens when God lets go the bowstring and the arrow flies. God has manipulated world events to make this happen. He's made every wise man stupid to make this happen. He has put the butler in the same prison cell with Joseph to make this happen. God has been manipulating events all along to make this happen. We think it's backwards. It's actually a forward movement. God's doing us a favor when these things happen. Suddenly, he goes from prisoner to prime minister. I think Jesus might have had Joseph in mind in Matthew 10 verses 18 and 20 where he says, you're going to be brought before kings and governors but take no thought beforehand what you say. It will be given you in that hour what you should say. I wonder if Jesus was thinking of Joseph when he said that in Matthew. Because Joseph had no time to prepare himself. All he knows is one day there was a knock on his prison door. says, hurry up, get shaved, get showered, get, here's some clothes for you. You're going to Pharaoh now. Hey, there's no time to prepare yourself for this. And he stands before Pharaoh, the most influential, most powerful man in the world. As far as the secular world goes, I heard you could interpret dreams. Well, it's not in me. But God will give an answer. Do you see? This is a different answer than 13 years ago. Yeah, I can interpret dreams. I'm pretty hot stuff. What's your dream? No, the answer is not in me. The guy's died to himself. But God will give an answer A peace to Pharaoh. What are your dreams? What a different disposition than everybody else that's come before Pharaoh. You see, Joseph at the age of 30 was not the same Joseph he was at the age of 17. Remember what I said earlier? The person who receives the fulfillment of the promise is different than the person who gets the promise. Oh, it's Joseph, all right. But it's a different Joseph. It is a different Joseph. He stands before Pharaoh with a total composure and character change. He speaks peace to Pharaoh. He speaks with authority to Pharaoh. He speaks with coherence, exact detail of timing. I I mean, I get tired a little bit of this, well, we're going to have this seminar interpreting dreams. I'm sorry, I get a little tired of that because I have to interpret the interpretations. I still don't know what it all means after you give me the interpretations. Joseph, you didn't have to, when he interpreted a dream, you knew exactly, he said, three years, seven days. Five things. I mean, he gave an exact. You didn't have to wonder what the interpretation was. I hear so much of this interpretation to dreams, and after it's all interpreted, I have to interpret the interpretation. I still don't know what it means. With Joseph, the gift was exact, it was coherent, it was detailed. He gives personal witness. To Pharaoh. He tells Pharaoh that it's been confirmed. God has decided a long time ago what to do. It's a simple interpretation. It's self authenticating. And he says, and now here's what why God has given it to you. And here's what you need to do. He says, Here's the word of the Lord. You need to find somebody with wisdom and discretion. To set over this business. God's given you warning. Wouldn't you just like to know the stock market seven years in advance? Just what's going to happen? God's letting you know the next seven years of history. So you can prepare for the seven years after it. Which are going to be terrible. Now you need to find somebody. And then Pharaoh looks at him. Now listen. We've been waiting for the moment. Haven't we? We have been waiting for the moment when God becomes your vindication. Joseph gets vindicated. Oh, listen to this. Joseph gets vindicated, not by his own efforts, but the most powerful man on planet Earth vindicates Joseph before the entire world. You couldn't ask for vindication on a higher level. It's not possible. Spiritually he vindicated them. There's no one like you in whom the spirit of God is. I just had every spiritual person in the world come and visit me. And nobody can match you. God shut them down to promote Joseph. There's nobody spiritual as you. That's vindication. Then he said, there's nobody as wise as you. Intellectually Wise. That's powerful vindication. And then he said, and nobody as discreet as you. Oh, I'm sorry, Potiphar's wife, you were wrong. Pharaoh said discreet. And Joseph had his name cleared, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all the charges. His brothers may sold him as a slave, but Pharaoh vindicated his character. Potiphar's wife accused him of immorality, but Pharaoh vindicated his character. When God clears your name, he's going to do it on a level well above anything you could ever imagine. Please, wait for him. Don't take this into your own hands. Fret not yourself. Just delight yourself in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. And God is going to clear you in a way that is beyond your comprehension. When God clears your name. What an answer to all the false accusations. Why should you and I wait for God's timing? Because our conception of how God's word is going to come to pass is wrong. Our conception of of it is really completely wrong. Sometimes you and I think we'll only be satisfied when we get it done our way. Not realizing our way is so shallow compared to what God wants to do. Joseph misunderestimated the power of God, misunderestimated God's ability to manipulate world events, mis est- underestimated security you know what he ends up with? Joseph ends up you know, he gets rewarded. I mean, who else is there? Can there be? I'm going to make you the most powerful man in the world except for me. Isn't that amazing? Puts a coat on him. Oh, there's another coat for Joseph. Joseph and his many coats. He gets a royal coat back. But this time it's not a coat of conceitedness. This time it's a royal coat of authority because he's got the character change and now he can use his giftedness to save the world to serve the world not to bring attention to himself he gets his royal coat there's a command to put him in a chariot goes throughout the whole land of Egypt with the command bow the knee he gets a new name. You know, I don't know if I can pronounce that name. You find it in chapter 41, verse 45. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paniah. There you go. Aren't you glad I'm reading that and not you? Zaphnath Paniah. If you could read the original language, you know what it means? It means Savior of the world. Did you know that? I don't know if I'm talking about Joseph or Jesus in this story anymore. I'm somewhat confused. Let me see. Betrayed by my brothers. Is that Joseph or is that Jesus? Uh, Judah sells me. Judah sells me. Am I talking about Joseph or, or Jesus? Falsely accused. Am I talking about Joseph or Jesus? Punished for false accusations that aren't true. Am I talking about Joseph or Jesus? Gets exalted. Goes from death to ascension. Am I talking about Joseph or Jesus? Becomes the most powerful man in the world except for Pharaoh. Is that Joseph or is that Jesus? Subject only to God when God raises him from the dead. The command that every knee must bow before him. Is I talking about Joseph or am I talking about Jesus here? I'm confused. Would you help me out? Who is the story about anyway? Joseph or Jesus. It's important that we understand this. Because when we come back in our next session. We're going to see now how Joseph. Is a perfect type of Jesus. And how he deals. With his ten brothers. Because the whole world does go in famine. And Jacob says to his sons. Um, Why are you in this circumstance? Why are you in this situation? I heard there's food down in Egypt. Go there. And you know they go down to Egypt. And they go before this Egyptian. He looks like an Egyptian. He dresses like an Egyptian. You should see his haircut. It's Egyptian haircut. He speaks Egyptian. They have no idea who this is. And they go and they bow before him. Not knowing who they're bowing to. And your Bible says, And Joseph remembered the dreams. Twenty-two years later. And Joseph remembered the dreams. How long are you willing to wait for God's timing? And what shall you do while you wait for God's timing? Some pretty serious lessons in all of this, isn't there? Powerful stuff. And Joseph remembered the dreams.